Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Please do follow Fog City Psychic on Instagram if you want to keep up with all my hijinks and to see photos of Maisie the puppy who is quickly becoming Maisie the enormous puppy. I fully expect to post a photo someday where she is three stories tall. So Fog City Psychic on Instagram if you want to keep up with the puppy mayhem and also good spiritual stuff and knitting and puzzles too. Now then, we need healing. And so does our troubled world. Today's guest says that the universe is waiting for us to remember who we are. But how do we begin this process of waking up? How do we embrace and honor our inner light without getting bogged down in old programming and our limiting mindsets and what your grandmother said to you once in 1968? How do we honor our inner light when there's all that stuff in the way? Well, Lynn Patner is my guest today, and she's here to talk a little bit about how she healed herself and now helps to heal others by becoming more aware of unconscious programming and stepping into a more abundant light. Are you ready to meet her? Lynn Patner, MSW, is a warm, funny, insightful, and compassionate teacher. A certified hypnotherapist and Reiki practitioner, Lynn's studies include Native American traditions, shamanism, Eastern traditions, a variety of energy therapies, and healing practices. She weaves all of these disciplines into comprehensible teachings, providing tools to share with her clients and her students. Lynn gives to those that wish to learn more, a sense of purpose, and balance toward creating the life they've always desired, guiding them to experience the brilliance of their own inner light and we need that. Lynn's mission in life is to assist others on the journey of awakening to their unlimited potential and the uniqueness of their own being. You can find out more about Lynn and her work at lynnpatner.com. Lynn, welcome to Out of the Fog. Oh, thanks, Karen. I, I just love that you're talking about your puppy, Maisie, and that she's going to be three stories high. And she may be, <laughs> it may be, you know, the Red Dog series, you know, all, Maisie's series. So that's great. And thank you for your kind introduction. That was very sweet. Thank oh, you're you. very welcome. I'm I'm glad you're here. And pretty soon, Maisie will be so tall that we'll be able to do these <laughs> interviews like in the shade under her. She can stand up. We'll erect in a, a recording studio just right underneath her and do the show. <laughs> do the show from there. Um, in the book, you talk about a time in your life when you were following what was expected of you, and you, you talk about the scripts that we follow. And sometimes we're not even fully conscious of those. What are some examples of those scripts? How do we know that we're not living our truest life? I don't know if you really realize you're not following. I don't know. My script was very much created by me. Um, I came from a a background of a single mom because my father had died. I knew what I had to do. I had to become her assistant in the house and help her. And I went to college and, my, and I finished college. I became a teacher and that was my script. It was never mentioned. It was just something you did. And then I got married and I had two children. I lived in the suburbs and I had a dog, but I refused to have a station wagon. I refused. <laughs> <clears throat> there was a limit to what I would do. That's right. And I became literally Donna Reed because she was the role model I liked the best. Mm. She was incredible. She wore pearls and lipstick. And if you talk to my daughter now, she'll tell you, she remembers me getting dressed, 
making their lunches, putting notes in their bags of lunches, putting on lipstick and driving them to school. Mm-hmm. Now, what mother does that now, unless she's going to play tennis or something, who knows mm-hmm. what she's going to do. But I followed a script until I met um, a man who could send energy from his aura to my aura, not even knowing what an aura was. And I didn't, I went because I was curious, only because of curiosity, no other reason. And from that point on, when that energy, when something in my head said, shut up, Lynn, and shut your eyes, I felt this incredible surge of energy, that's all you could call it, enter my system. And from that point on, my curiosity became stronger and stronger. So I began following what was put in front of me. That's not how everybody gets into this path of enlightenment. That was my path. We are programmed, totally programmed, and and from the ages of preconception, pre-con- basically from your uterus, from the uterus on until eight years old, we will experience a wound. So let me tell you what that looks like, because I think this is very important to see who you really are. Mm. I'm going to start with who you are. If you can imagine the ocean and how beautiful the ocean is, and I take one drop of that ocean out, is that still part of the ocean? Yes. Is it? Yes. So if the ocean is a divine being, not even a being, a divine energy force of love and light and compassion, which I project is what God is, what we call God, then you are a divine being placed on the planet earth and you don't remember who you are. So it's our job when we're called and not everybody is called, but a lot of people, especially people listening to your radio show are called, well, who am I and why am I here? Well, you're here to heal and to heal yourself takes knowledge because you don't remember what happened. So I had a client, this is, this is what, and I'm a social worker, child welfare social worker. So I have dealt with a lot of people who have been wounded, including myself, and didn't realize it. So I lived my life with my wounds in the back seat, driving the car, like we all do. So here I am, a divine being, not remembering who I am, experiencing all this exciting stuff talking to a squirrel lady, talking to a six-month-old baby, and learning and learning and learning. And what is this all for? What am I supposed to do with this information? I didn't know. I had no clue. But what I know now is that because we're divine beings and don't remember, our first step is to sit down and say, hmm, I'm going to need a little help here. What I found out is that what I call the universe, which is angels and master beings and guardian angels and all the rest of the gang, you have to let them know you're interested in growing and learning because no one's going to help you in a free reign place. We have free will. So you sit down and you say, okay, guys, and you can be fun. It can be lots of fun. Okay, guys, here I am. I want to start. I want to learn. Lynn says I'm part of a divine. I don't believe that. I no way am I divine. Oh, but I'll try this. I'll try it. Okay. So now I'm sitting down. I'm a divine being. I want to know why I'm here and I want to heal. So what happens next is that everything that you're supposed to learn is going to come to you. My book is basically my journey 
of how I tripped, fell flat on my face, got out of the rabbit hole. So it is more or less a program of what it looks like. If you keep copious notes starting now and say, I want to know why I'm here, because you really are here to light up the world. You're here as a healer, or you would not be listening to this show. You might say, oh, no, I'm not. I, I can't do this stuff. But that is your old programming. And it's your old wound. So my wound happened when I was three years old. I lived in an apartment building of adults and I was precocious and they loved me. Oh my God, they played everything. If I told them we're going to color, we colored. If I said blocks, they played blocks. Everybody catered to Linian. And then at three, I went to High Park School for little children. Oh my God, I could barely maintain my excitement. I was going to meet other kids, but didn't have a clue how to handle them. And I go into the school and I see painting easels and I see blocks and I see a dollhouse. If you're a young woman on this or an older woman, if you know what it was like to see a, a real life dollhouse yeah. with wood beds and a table and chairs and a refrigerator and an ironing board, <laughs> all the things women did in Donna Reed's days, right? Yep. <laughs> and I walked in and I took over the dollhouse and no one would play with me. And from there, I said, something's wrong with me. Now that program of something's wrong with me in the backseat of my car driving and not, 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 I didn't know that. If I sat with you and showed you every single instance, and I do in the book a bit, show you how that wound created my life. Because if your thoughts create your reality, which it does, and you think you're not enough, then you're going to keep getting lessons which show you, yeah, you're right, you, you're not enough. You're a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Or if you happen to be abused in any which way when you're little, that wasn't your fault either. But you're a helpless child or an adult, you're helpless. And you don't know why you cause this because some of these things are caused by who we are and what we need to learn. So a lot of the work I've been doing now is exploring wounds, not at an esoteric level because there's some, I read something the other day, <laughs> I had to laugh because I had to read it twice. It was really saying the same thing I say, but it was in an esoteric language which made it even harder, like you know, Seth material. I couldn't get that material at the time because it was just too much for me. It was above my head. So I am your rocks and dirt variety of, <laughs> of exploring things. But here's another example of a wound that I want to share. And then I'll be quiet and you can ask me another question. <laughs> I had a client who was in a divorce situation. It was a terrible divorce situation. And she would crumble every time something happened. She literally crumbled. And I found out that when she was a little baby, she was, um, her parents used to brag that they would put her to bed at six o'clock at night and get her again at nine o'clock in the morning and she would sleep through the night. Mm. Now, if anyone's had children, you well know that children, babies do not sleep through the night. No. So she would start to cry and no one would come. And then she'd cry louder, right? 
no one would come. And then they would go into rage. And I don't know if you've ever seen a baby in rage, but as a social worker, I have. I've, I've seen rage with my own daughter when she was little. And at the time I really thought it was cute. I really didn't realize that this was serious matter. She was angry and I was there and she was angry and I did nothing but probably laugh at her, which scarred her for life. So um, then this little girl, this baby would go into rage. And when they go into rage and nobody comes, they close down. So she, as a baby, knew at some level, pre-verbal, that something wasn't right. And so whenever something happens to her, she literally closes down and quivers and falls down on the floor, shaking. That is a wound that's pre-verbal. Thank God most of us don't have those pre-verbal wounds because those are really hard. You have to, once you see your wound and ask for assistance in getting it better, you take good care of your inner child. And you say, honey, you are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are enough. You are not helpless. You are strong. I love you. Thank you for getting me through these conditions of my life. I so appreciate you and I will always take care of you. And you become conscious. Once you become conscious that this wound is still working all the time, you will stop it. You will never get rid of the wound, but you will know it's a wound. Hmm. And that's what I've learned. And that's powerful. It's, it's insight and it's deep insight. It feels to me listening to you, it's deep insight that comes from taking the time to look at our habitual responses, the things we write. Oh, I always fall on the floor when something goes wrong. Oh, I never fit in. It feels like some of that awareness and healing comes when we can sit and look at the thing that we're so used to dealing with that we've just, we kind of glance over it. There's nothing I can do about this. It just is the way I am. It's, it's a subliminal thought. You don't even, it's not even, not a conscious thought. You, it's just inside. Well, I knew they wouldn't like me or picking the same man or the same woman with different shoes and expecting a different result. Yeah, sure. sure. So that's very powerful. And there's therapists that work with that and you can work with that, but um, it's important to, to see it. But it, what's most important is to realize that you are a divine being. Sure, you're wounded. And that was part of your lesson. Your soul needed a lesson. Your soul has to experience all of this in order to grow. Now, can I prove this scientifically? Not on your life. <laughs> but if I've been told this through stories of communicating with six-month-old babies and telling the father and having him not reported to my supervisor, he said, oh, crazy lady here has just talked to my six-month-old baby. You know, <laughs> God, I would get in a lot of trouble. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, that's the most important thing is to realize who you are and you are all here for a purpose. And how do you find your purpose? Follow your passion. And there's, and that, there's that curiosity again, Lynn. Yeah, follow right. your passion. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Lynn Patner. Her new book is The Awakened Soul, Discovering the Light Within. It's a spiritual memoir, and 
it has information you can use to start to come into the kind of awareness that Lynn is talking about. You can find out more about Lynn and her work at lynnpatner.com. That's L-Y-N-N-P-A-T-N-E-R.com, lynnpatner.com. So Lynn, part of that path of change, of kind of finding your way back to mm, a realization of your belonging, a realization of your wholeness, even with wounds, part of that feels to me like it starts with setting some intentions, compassionate intentions, not the mean kind. I will lose 90 pounds by tomorrow at four. No, 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 no. But, but real intentions. Um, What is the power of setting intentions on this path? And what's a good way for us to do this as we start to look at and, and um, work through work with those wounds? That's an incredible, important question, Kieran. Thank you. I mean, that's phenomenal. Um, I didn't know about intentions, to be honest with you, until I decided that I was going to become spiritual in two years. I thought it was such a great gig, you know, if this energy stuff and then meeting um, a psych, uh, not a psychic, meeting an out-of-body channel who, whose energy work, oh my God, I couldn't believe it, and a Reiki practitioner. So I decided this is too much for me. I've got to, I've got to find out this. So I set my intention. I said to my group of social workers, I'm going to be spiritual in two years. And they all laughed at me and they said, you're ridiculous. I was spiritual in two years. It's taking me 36 more years to figure out what it was all about. But I was spiritual in two years. Once you set an intention, it manifests. We live in such a responsive universe that it blows my mind because it's so hard for me to explain. Cognitively, I don't have the words to explain how powerful setting intentions are and to come from kindness and to come from gratitude and to open your heart and come from love. These are powerful forces that can assist you in your life. And you will get to a place as you do this work, it's inner healing work, but it's doable. And some of it's funny. Some of these things are very funny. It's not all I'm in the, I'm in the rabbit hole, please help. Mm -hmm. My most important gift, this is my, this is my gift. I am a midwife of your awakening soul. I'm one of millions out there. But if you ever, ever, ever need a boost, I don't work if you're going to stay in your victim role. Been there, done that, not no more. But I will assist anybody out there who needs a boost to start their process because we need more than anything in the world for you to remember who you are and why you're here. So write your intentions starting today. What am I doing here? What's my job? How come I'm here? And then blow it to God or blow it to Jesus or to Mary or who your angels. And you will be assisted in figuring this out because things will be put in front of you that are teaching you. It's amazing. What kind of assistance do we have on that journey? You talk about working with your guides. Yeah, I never knew I had a guide, you know, like when I did that automatic writing after I was teaching the artist's way, and it said, first you had to heal yourself and, and then heal others. I didn't understand what they meant. I mean, I'm, I'm like a person in, how can you explain it? You know, Laurel and Hardy, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm like, ah, what is this all about? I mean, <laughs> I, here I do, I channel writing. I'm so impressed with the channel writing, but do you think I ever got that I did it because of a guide? No, it, it wasn't until I met this woman who was, I was following my path, whatever was put in front of me, I went to. The stories I write in the book is how I got to where I am now. I met a squirrel lady in the park who sent me to a church. And the preacher was a preacher who could read from, you know, the dead, could hear from the dead. And mm. one of the messages was to me, I, I wrote, why am I here? Mm. <laughs> that was my question. And he said, your mother sent you to remember what I said. And I played dumb. Like, I don't know what you said. I was playing dumb. And he said, it had to do with opening your heart. Mm. So I had a lot of heart lessons where I had to learn to open my heart and be compassionate. I paid $125 to this channel to because I thought she had more power to speak to what I believed as God. And I paid $125 to tell God I wasn't happy with the way he was treating kids down here. Mm. Pissed off. And my message was, it's not my job to come from judgment. My job is to come from compassion for another's journey. That's a huge lesson. So difficult though, because you, as you share in the book, the things that you've seen in your work, the discernment needed to decide if a child stays or leaves the living situation or what Correct. needs to happen next, how I'm trying to wrap my mind about what that would mean to not come from a place of judgment. Well, it's not coming from judgment per se. It's coming from what the parents do. So in the one case that I talked about was a little girl I removed from her parents because they were basically, they were, it was a sad lot. They were both drug addicts. They both had been sexually abused. They both were um, high risk to fly flight. Mm. And I removed that baby, which wasn't my job. I was family maintenance, family reunification. And at six months, you look at the baby that you've removed and you think, have the parents done enough work to have the baby placed in their home again and do family maintenance? Or are they not cooperating and that baby goes for adoption? It's all about the baby. Mm -hmm. So it was my job to determine whether or not that the father wasn't cooperating at all. He was sneaky Pete. Whatever he did to hide, he brought in other people's urine. Whatever he did, he did. I knew he was sneaky. But the mother was in an in-home in treatment program and doing well. Hmm. So I was forced, and by the baby herself, that was the six-month-old I talked to. Right. So I did not want to return her home. I really didn't. I wanted her to have a good chance. The father had AIDS. I mean, it was a mess. And I really wanted to play God in this situation and have this child go to a foster home and then be adopted. But the baby, when I went into a, a med, I went into, um, I was working with a therapist at the time, a, a new age therapist who asked me to ask the baby from my higher Christ self to her higher Christ self, what she wanted. And she thanked me for the profound work I had done for her, but she was born to teach her parents how to love that was her job. Mm. Now, my God, have you ever talked to a six-month-old baby? <laughs> no. So I went back and I told the father, this is the story. And I returned the child to the parents. 
and they left California as soon as they could and had another baby. And he wrote to me that they had another child. And I asked if the baby had AIDS and he said, no. And I said, remember what your daughter said that she was here to teach you how to love. Wow. That's powerful. So the lessons I learned, why would, they're not just me, a young woman from Chicago, Illinois, it's for everybody that you learn a different way, but everybody is to learn their lessons. And it's so incredible. It's so much fun. How can we tap into that responsiveness of the universe? Something I hear from the people I talk to during the day a lot is I'm, I'm asking questions. I'm doing all the in quotes, right things. And I, I don't hear back. I don't see signs. I don't feel change. How can people tap into that responsive universe? Give up your agendas. Ask a question. Say, I would like some help down here. Can somebody help me? And don't look at time. Pay attention. It's not going to come as a Cecil B. DeMille movie. It comes, <laughs> it comes in small ways. You meet someone. I have shown up in so many people's lives exactly at the right time when they need someone to say, you are an incredible person. That's how divine, that's how the divine works through you. You can say, you know, it's like, ask, I want this. And then manifestation of an idea means that you have to be vibrating at the same frequency as what you're calling in. So if you desire to have some way of knowing you're on the right path, you have to sit down, set your intention and say, I want to learn how this works too. I'm interested in this. I need my guides to help me. That's your intention. And then you, I would blow it or put it on a leaf and let it float down a stream. You have no control over when it's going to show up. It's like, oh, 15 minutes have gone by and nothing has happened. Oh, damn, I knew it was going to happen to me. I knew it wouldn't happen to me. Watch that subconscious voice. Because if you don't believe it's going to happen, guess what? It won't happen. If you believe with all your heart that if you ask and you just let it go, you don't have to do anything else. Just keep a journal and write down every day what you're experiencing. And if that voice comes up, say, "Uh uh-oh, this is a wound. Uh Uh-oh, let's take a look at this. It's all wounds. Does that answer your question at all? It does. And it reminds me of how I am the ocean, even if I feel like I'm only a drop, even if I forgot I was the ocean. It reminds me of the way in which, at least this is kind of what I believe in part of what I teach, the way in which we all really do belong. Even when we forgot and felt left out, we come, we are called back into that belonging. That belonging is part of our healing. It's what lets us laugh and be curious and see other people with compassion. It's what's let, it's what lets us make mistakes and Mm -hmm. ask forgiveness and, and go again. Yeah, it does make sense. And I think there's so much, there can be so much harshness in language of manifestation. This is part of why I asked you that question, because you're not answering in a harsh way, but there can be so much harshness that people who are already wounded already feel like they don't belong, ask for things in some prescribed way. I read so-and-so's book. It says, do it this way. And then when it doesn't fall at their feet, they think they're wrong. They're bad. They yeah, did something. Yeah. It didn't. And so that's why I asked you that question, because what you're talking about is about 
manifesting from your place of divinity, from that place of rightness. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't, yes, you're right. But I didn't even realize that I was teaching a class called the artist's way. Mm -hmm. And part of that class is to write morning pages and have play dates. And we were working on manifestation. It's one of the chapters in the book. Mm -hmm. And what taught me about man, I didn't know anything about manifestation. What, you know, you know, what, what did I know? And um, everybody that asked for something got it. It was amazing. I taught that class for maybe five years and it blew my mind. And every time I taught it, someone would get something bigger. Like a man wanted to be a cook and he wanted to be on radio or television or something. And he went to a dinner party and he sat next to someone who could help him. Huh. It was blew my, our mind. All I wanted was pale yellow towels that were inexpensive. And so when I went to Costco the day and saw the pale yellow towels inexpensive, I almost had a conniption fit, <laughs> you know? So it's not like, it's not like I asked for anything. I, the house I'm living in now, I said, I would love to, one, I said to me, I would love to live in a house where I had an atrium and, and a red room because I love red rooms. Mm. And sure enough, I thought it would take me a long time to manifest this. I walked into my new house here and I looked, I said, an atrium, oh my God, in a red room. I, I bought it. Wow. So I, I don't think it's, it's one of these things with manifestation. Don't count on manifestation. Just play, play, absolutely play. Have fun. I can't manifest George Clooney. He's out of my range. But can I manifest something else? Why not? I manifested. Wait a second. Here, guys, this is, this is important. I had an interview with Jack Canfield. I was one of 17 authors that met with this man who's a genius, chicken soup for the body and soul. And I was scared to death. And I had an anxiety attack because my tape, I'm not enough, was running. Mm. Finally, after my anxiety attack and I meet with him, we have the most incredible interview. I was so relaxed. I mean, I was like butter. <laughs> I said this, and this is literally what I manifested. I said, okay, God. And God to me, remember, is not this man with the beard. It's an energy source. It's pure love and light energy. I said, all right, you wanted me to write the damn book. I wrote the book. Now it's your turn. It's your turn. I said, I can't, I can't, I have no control over what's going to happen with this book. I didn't. And from that, blowing it to God, which is stories in my book too, I got an editor, showed up, and a publisher. Do you know how hard it is to get a publisher? Sure. Wow. That is what I'm talking about. That is the manifestation that I'm talking about. When you're doing the work, when you're healing, things happen. Don't dwell on just manifestation. Just heal your life so you can help another through whatever way you do it. We're all different. And that is how I explain manifestation. Lynn, I know we're just up at the end of our time. How can the listeners find the book? How can they get in touch with you for that boost? How can they learn more about what you're doing? Oh my goodness. <laughs> my book is on amazon.com. My email is lynnpatner at gmail.com. And my website is lynnpatner.com. <laughs> I'm pretty much Lynn Patner. And, um, I will work with anybody that's on the that's that's trying in their own way 
to make a difference in the world. Just give up, just learn from all your teachers. Karen is one of your teachers. You wouldn't be tuning into her show if she wasn't one of your teachers. So I think you're all very blessed and I'm very grateful to you, Karen, for allowing me to spend this half hour with you and your, and your clients. Thank you. Oh, Lynn, thank you. That is so much fun. Thank you. That is Lynn Patner. Her new book is The Awakened Soul, Discovering the Light Within. And you can find out more about Lynn and her work at lynnpatner.com. That's L-Y-N-N, Patner, P-A-T-N-E-R.com, lynnpatner.com. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. That's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me if you are so inclined. And if you follow Fog City Psychic on Instagram, you'll get the latest about what's happening in my wacky world of all the things that are wacky in my world. Um, please do rate and review this podcast. That helps us know what you think, what works. And you can always email me with your feedback, Karen at KarenHager.com. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time. I'm wishing you peace.